Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited to have Doc Gino again. Chris Lee, always good to have you on as well. Very excited, Sean. I mean, you're here every day, but always good to see you as well. And uh, now if everybody would uh, please do me the favor, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all of that good stuff. It helps us algorithmically, but it also allows you to get your email every day that we go live, which is of course, every day. Now, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or anything like that through the show or during or after, by all means, put them up in the comment section. We read them all and we will engage them as they pop up. Um, if there are any other thoughts or questions before we dive in, anything at all, guys? Good to go? All right, let's dive into it. So today, we're going to be talking about exploring vices. Now, we are, what is a vice? Well, a vice is a, this is the, from the definition, a moral depravity or corruption, <laughs> a, a, mo a moral fault or failing, a habitual or usual, usually trivial defect or shortcoming. And then there's a number of them here. So I'm not going to go through all of them, but um, you guys get the general idea what a vice is. And so my first question, actually, before I even get into that, Satch, good morning, team. Good morning, Satch. Good to see you. Um, so my first question to all of you guys, when you guys think about vices, what are your first thoughts right off the top of the, off the top of your head? Gino, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? Man. So <laughs> I immediately go to what mine are because <laughs> right? I got plenty of them. Um, and then, you know, there, there, there's a pivot there to coping, right? They're, they're there for a reason. And they're a crutch for a reason. Um, and it's, what does it take to peel the layers back to understand why they exist in the first place? So that, that, that's where I go. And then I kind of think of my own story and why it is I have the vices that I do. And then it gets fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the conversation starts. I like it. <laughs> Chris, what about yourself? First thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, when I think of vice, I think of something that's insidious that kind of sneaks up on you that maybe maybe it even started off as something that was healthy or beneficial at one point and then devolved into something that has now consumed you or prevents you from being completely healthy physically or mentally so it could be just about anything i guess yeah sean what do you think I think that that's a real good start. And, uh, you know, the things that stand out to me when I think of vices is it's not a one and done. It's typically habitual. So it's a repeated uh, incident or it's a repeated pattern. It's a habit, uh, for lack of a better term or term or a routine, for lack of a better term, that is repeated from time to time, either super frequently or frequently enough that it is a thing in your life and to be a vice it is generally got a negative connotation attached to it that's what vices are are they are negatives in your life for lack of a better term and it can be called lots of things uh, but generally i think what we're uh, dealing with is negative habits that happen too frequently that need to be adjusted so that you're living a better life and so something that doc said uh, Doc G said was um, it's it's a crutch to some degree that, um, you know, you kind of rely on uh, to some degree. And uh, what I thought was, um, you know, rather than a crutch, as he said the word crutch, I immediately, for whatever reason, visualized in my mind a three legged stool. And so uh, without that third leg on the stool, the moment that you sit down on it, of course, it's going to topple over. Or if that that third leg on the stool is weak, it's a bit wonky, and you sit down on that chair, you fall over. And so some of these vices that we put in place is that third leg of the stool, whether it's a wonky leg or it's a solid leg, sometimes these vices are things that we need. And, mm -hmm. and so I don't want to paint too much of a negative picture on it. Like vices are a negative. But there's probably times in our lives where we needed that three-legged stool to sit down and just freaking get a breath, get a sense of ease for a minute, for a day, for a week, for a month. But then what? Once you've got that, that, that moment of relaxed sort of I'm stable with this crutch, well, 
if it's going too long, if you're sitting on that stool too long, if it's a pattern too long, well, now that vice is not supporting you. Now it's a negative vice that you've got to get rid of. So those are my first thoughts. Mm -hmm. That it goes directly into my first question. So the first thing I was going to ask was, do you think that vices serve a purpose? just in general, because it seems that everybody has them. It seems we've all engaged with them. We've all seen some benefit or some uh, non-benefit during the time periods. What do you, uh, what do you, is it, is there actually a, a purpose to these things or is it more of just a consistent distraction that we just are trying to get away from something else? Gino, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? So I think as human beings, right, there's always this push for, for, for an escape right? Especially when we create a reality for ourselves that we're not necessarily in alignment with or content with. So I think vice is serve as, as one of the things, right? That can be an outlet um, that allows us to escape. The question is, right? At what point does it violate moral code, right? At what point does it violate um, certain things that, that are part of your stature, your constitution as a human being and become harmful, right? Because everyone needs that, that moment in time to decompress, take a step back and understand that, especially if you're high functioning and, and a very fast operational tempo type individual, um, everyone needs to have that ability to just cool out. Now, some people, right, that's drugs or alcohol or prostitution or pornography, or take your pick. Other people it can be different things, right? Um, you know, in my world, it's jujitsu, like that, that is that is my jam, right? But and all stretch of the imagination. Yeah, man, it's healthy. It's good. But you know, at the same time, like when I'm injured, and I'm still rolling, right? And I get to the point where now, like I have um, a shoulder separation and I can't pick up my two-year-old. Well, is it really serving the purpose, right? Because <laughs> now it's taken away from the quality of interaction I can have with my little ones, right? Same thing, like I run late, like that's my thing, man. Like I have a tendency of running late all the freaking time, right? And I can have a great excuse for it, but after a while, man, I start looking at myself in the mirror and morally it's like, man, I don't wanna be that guy. Like I wanna be respectful and mindful of everyone's time, right? And so things like that. And he disappears. Bam. Magic tricks. I like it. <laughs> oh, and Sean, you're muted. So you're not actually coming through. <laughs> I was just saying it was a really solid point and a great exclamation mark there. It, it really was just like, and drop the mic and he leaves, disappears. Gino, you're good to go. <laughs> Sorry to everybody. We had an emergency broadcast test thing happen with, with the network over here. So it just completely Raj. blocked all comms out. Um, so anyways, yeah, that, that was pretty much the end of it. Um, but the idea of, of an escape, something that you can cope with, something that brings you pleasure, right? But at the same time, balances everything, right? And so being able to keep it in check, um, Sean, to your point, I don't believe all vices are bad, right? It's just, there comes a, a point in time where it's a judgment call. And man, if I want to have the occasional glass of wine with my wife or the occasional whiskey and a cigar, right? That's one thing. But when it becomes a habitual thing every single day, and we got an issue that needs to be addressed, right? But I think that's completely at the subjective interpretation. At what point are you being the person you want to be to be truly optimized? And is that thing, that 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 stool leg, is it helping you, right? Or is it hurting you? That's a great point. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, I, I agree with everything Doc said. Um, and the, the examples that kind of came to mind is like kind of throughout – our history as humans, we, we develop, as an example, we've developed periods where we do take intentional rest, whether that's like certain times of the year where it's surrounded by holidays or, or whatever. Um, but when you take that to the extreme and all you do is be on holiday or, or all you do is rest, you, you are suffering from the sin of sloth, right? So, so yeah, I think, I think in moderation, anything can be healthy and beneficial. It's, it's when it's taken to the extreme or taken to, um, overindulgence maybe uh that's that's where it starts to i don't know things start to fall apart and and kind of to the example that, that doc was saying in regards to jujitsu uh i think often people use the gym or whatever as a as a really healthy way to deal with some some mental stuff that's going on and that's awesome mm -hmm. until they get to the point where they're injured or um Maybe this is controversial, but overtraining, I'm not sure if I buy into that, but, but if they get to the point where they're pushing their body so much where they are now injured and now trying to push through that, uh, and then really just damaging the body, uh, again, it's kind of that, that overindulgence. And then you have to ask like, all right, if you're going to the gym for mental clarity and to get those endorphins and stuff, um, but now you can't stop even when your body is crying out for you to stop, uh, is, is that now a vice, uh, 
we, I mean, we often think going to the gym is super healthy. You know, uh, I preach it constantly, but if it's, if it's actually doing more damage, uh, than good, uh, at what point is it, is it a vice, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's many times I have said that, uh, I hear this all the time on the internet is, uh, the gym is my, the gym is therapy. The, the road is my therapy. The mats are my therapy, all these good things, but no therapy is therapy. <laughs> the gym is the gym. And yes, you can gain a lot from those places, but they are still separate for a reason. Sean, you got some thoughts on any of that? I do. So, um, staying in the theme of maybe training too hard, uh, Chris had said overtraining, maybe the correct term is overreaching, um, in, in your training cycle to be overtrained is quite uncommon. Um, as the correct usage of the definition overtrained or overtraining is, uh, is quite uncommon. So overreaching for sure is uh, something that happens on the regular, uh, but it's not, uh, it's not the end of days as it were. It's just, a it's just someone pushing their body a little harder than uh, they kind of need to per perhaps. Uh, but I'm going to stay in the theme of this to just play with it a little bit to illustrate uh, my understanding personally of vices. So I, I do love adversity. I do love pushing my body. I like to see what I'm capable of. And in order to do that, I chose to find extreme things to do, uh, like a 24 hour solo mountain bike racing. And uh, there, it's a freaking hard sport, man. I know I've said it over here before that it's hard, but until you do one, you, it's just too hard to understand how hard it is. But it's freaking hard. Hardest uh, sport I've ever done. And um, to do it, it's really hard on your body and it's really hard on your mind. And so um, I like to see what my potential is by pushing my mind and my body. And uh, my body will... Um, will quit before my mind quits. So for me to understand the limits of my mind in 24 hour solo racing, I've really got to push my body hard, like to the point of breaking plus. And so that means I'm super uncomfortable sometimes in some of my phases of training or some, some of the parts of the, the, the actual race itself, but my vice of pushing my body harder than is, mm, perhaps acceptable has taught me the limits of my abilities so that I can understand my vice. I mean, to understand my vice, I've got to kind of push my vice so hard that I understand how hard I can push to then remain within the limit of my vice. Otherwise, um, I would have quit on day two of 24 hour solo mountain bike racing. I, I, I wouldn't have lasted a year. I wouldn't have lasted a decade. I'm, I, I wouldn't be riding a bike still if I would have just quit when I was concerned about this might turn into a vice because I'm pushing too hard. My rule of thumb is short-term pushes or short-term vices are um, observational moments. Once the pattern emerges or I can understand the pattern in front of me, then I can ascertain what that means to me over the long term. But these short-term observational moments are just that they're just observations they are not patterns yet so for me to understand any of my vices i've got to observe it long enough that i can form the pattern as a vice and then understand the vice as a pattern rather than just a moment so to mention alcohol as the example uh it, it's already been raised i i drink maybe four to six one ounce uh, shots of uh, whiskey in a year. That's it. That's all. Uh, last year, I think I had four ounces. And um, so it's it's not that I can't control alcohol. I can, but I I choose not to engage in it so much because it's not so much having the glass of wine or the glass of whiskey and how uh, impactful it will be to my physiological state because so few drinks in a year are don't register on the radar as to being damaging but what it does do is i'm conscious when i'm drinking it and therefore my mind is aware that i've made a conscious decision to have a drink which i don't agree with at its fundamental level for how negative it impacts my body so though i know it's not going to impact my body to such a degree that it's terrible it's my mind that is having to accept that 
I'm green lighting or checking that box that it's okay to do this, Sean. And so the physiological toll versus the psychological toll of that slippery slope where you're making deals with yourself throughout the day, that's what I would like to uh, shed a little bit of light on in this conversation. I'm not saying that drinking is terrible for you. Yes, it is. What I'm saying is you've got to control your drinking, of course, but don't just think of it as the liquid going down your gullet. It's the liquid in your brain that is spooling around and telling you the things that it's telling you on the compromises you're making. So I'd just like to see what you guys think about that. Interesting. Chris, let's start with you. What do you think? Put me on the spot. I like always, it. Always. Always. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I like that perspective for sure. It's... Um, If you're, maybe it's, yeah, maybe, maybe something isn't a, a vice until you start to be ashamed of it because you know that that mental battle that's going on that you are either ingesting or engaging in activities that over the long haul could be potentially harmful. Uh, that's, that's when you're, you're trying to start to rationalize. Now it's, you know, it's, I just got off work or it's Friday or, um, we're celebrating or we're mourning or whatever the case is when you, when you have to start to constantly rationalize as to why, or, or maybe the next step would then be like, if you have to start keeping it secret or because, because there's a shame factor there, uh, that's probably a pretty strong indicator that something's not right. Whatever the whatever it is that you're engaging. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's, yeah, I, I think it, it's the mental battle that, that is pretty vital and we should probably be paid most, most close attention to. Mm -hmm. Gino, you got any thoughts? Yeah. So, um, man, the power of choice, right? Like, and then this gets into the conversation of self mastery and then being able to figure out at what point, right? Are you crossing that line where it's, it's something that is perpetuating a violation of your moral and ethical code and what it is that your purpose is as a human being. And if that thing is detrimental to it, though you may get that dopamine kick and that high, and it's, it's very, very temporary while it's there, understanding at the moment in time that you're making that choice to engage in that vice, what the long-term effects, effects of it is, right? That's a really important thing. And then having the objectivity to do so, and that's where truly the, the discipline factor comes into play, right? Because the motivation part is easy, but the discipline to maintain consistency is a different story. One thing I do think is worth mentioning though, right? Is And this is true, right? There's plenty of evidence-based studies that show this. Some people, right, right, have genetic predispositions based on the rate at which their bodies can metabolize, right? Epinephrine, norepinephrine, um, uh, and dopamine, right? And so some folks can burn it really, really fast. So that reward system is gone very, very quickly. And so they need more, 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 more. And then others, right? They can't metabolize it as fast, right? And so it kind of, that high kind of lasts a little bit longer and that need is not as profound. So now how do you ascertain that within yourself? I mean, that's a whole different, but you have to go to a lab and do that whole thing, right? But the point is, how good are you? Oh, how good are you at at battling, right? That inner voice that's telling you more and more and more, right? When you know deep down it's not what's best for you, right? And even though you may package it fifty different ways and try to convince yourself because the brain's really good at doing that, like do it, do it, and it's incredibly detrimental to you. I think at that point, right there, right where we are succumbing to it, that's when you know we've got a bigger issue. We, we've got a bigger problem as far as a vice that can slowly turn into something like consume who you are and now it's shifting and changing your identity right and the moment that that happens you're not the man or the woman right that you know you need to be that's when we start battling a dragon right and, and things that kind of come into that fold whether it's genetically predisposed or not that choice that decision that discipline and the moment in time where you're in the fray that's that's the thing that hits mm -hmm. There, there, there's a lot of things in there that are just like clicking in my head, but I, and I have some comments here on the side. I'm wondering if there's any other thoughts before we carry on. Sean, what do you got? Yeah. To take it back to 24 hour solo mountain bike racing or any really hard physical activity over uh, several years uh, that you invest into it. Um, something that uh, the doc had mentioned, dopamine as an example. <clears throat> well, one of the, one of the things about doing hard things uh, throughout a lot of your life 
at least for me anyway, and I think the science supports this, is in order to, let's, let's say there's a baseline of dopamine in everyone, and there are peaks, and then there are troughs. And it's good if you can hang, hang out at your baseline, but every time you're peaking on dopamine, uh, if it's a big peak, then you're going to get a, a response that will take you into a trough, perhaps. And I'm, I'm making this super simple, layman terms, like as easy peasy as I can make it. So if you don't play your game right, you'll peak your dopamine, which creates a trough in dopamine. Now, when, you, when you're playing out your life and doing hard things, the more that you do, the more you're uh, exposed to dopam dopamine trigger events. And I'm not talking about on your phone, I'm talking about out there in the actual world doing things with your life. And so these dopamine impacts that you get, you start to normalize them. And so the first time I went out on a bike and rode my bike over a little jump and I got one inch in the air and I got a dopamine hit and it was like, yeah, look at me go. Well, that was on day one. Now I'm like day one million where jumps don't interest me to the same degree that they did on day one. And so there's a normalizing effect within our physiology. And in order to get that same dopamine release, we have to deliver a bigger performance, for lack of a better term. And this normalization process of dopamine goes on throughout our life if you're charging through life. So for me, as an example, when I'm riding a bike, um, the things that provided dopamine on day one do not provide dopamine now. And in order to adjust my dopamine, so if my baseline dopamine drops an hour ago and I need to get some dopamine back into my system, it's not easy for me to kind of just walk out on my front porch, do five jumping jacks and walk back in my house. And now my dopamine levels are back to baseline. That, that was a long time ago. I can't do that now because my dopamine adjustment requires a way bigger investment in me than just five burpees or five push-ups or five chin-ups or five anything. It requires 500, not five. And so the best way to come out of a dopamine trough, science supports this and definitely for Sean, is to go really hard, really fast, really excessive to bring my dopamine back up. It's the fastest recovery ramp for me is when I go harder rather than easier. So now the, the slippery slope is this. In order to keep bringing my dopamine back to baseline, I've got to go hard, 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 day after day, hard, 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 hard. Next thing you know, you're approaching overtraining. You're definitely overreaching, but you're now moving towards overtraining. Because you're trying to adjust your dopamine, you're trying to be happy, you're trying to do your thing. And every day, it just takes a little bit more to get back to that normalized baseline state. And if you're not paying attention to these things, it can become a vice, which it did for me for some time. I love hammering. And so hammering became my, my um, appeal, my attraction, my, um, my, my little bauble, shiny bauble that I wanted to grab every day. And of course, that can lead you down a slippery slope, as Chris mentioned, towards overtraining. And so our vices can, can be a positive habit, like out there in nature, riding a bike and listening to the birds singing. Or it can be a negative if you fall into an unaware rhythm of trying to get your baseline dopamine back and pursuing life just a little bit too hard. So if you, if you don't if you're not aware of that's happening within you, that's why it's real good to have a coach, a cold eye review to keep an eye on these things and observe your performance over a period of time, form a pattern and see that you are not optimally performing based on where you should have been. Uh, and so coaching is good for exploring vices because more often than not, what I found is individuals aren't capable of seeing their own vices. It'll often take a friend or a neighbor or a coach or a spouse or even your own kids to identify that you're in an unhealthy habit. That is a fantastic point. And it's happened to me a couple of times. I know, uh, especially with drinking was a big one right when I got out of the military was 
my wife actually told me, she's like, you know, you drink a lot. And I was like, what? No. But I was comparing myself to when I was still in the military where drinking is pretty normal and excessive drinking is pretty normal as well. So I was going, well, I don't drink that much because I don't drink like I used to, but it was still a lot for anybody else. So a, a cold eye review is a fantastic point on that. Uh, Chris, you got any thoughts? I mean, I always have thoughts. I don't know how beneficial they are. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like Sean's point, having that outsider's perspective um, to shed some light on your situation. I would be cautious as to what kind of perspective you're seeking though. Uh, I think it's important to have somebody that knows what they're talking about because as Sean was talking, I was thinking about the people that pursue greatness. Uh, they, they come across as somewhat obsessive and require a great deal of investment in themselves and to the point where people that don't get whatever it is they're chasing after would would say hey you're you're being obsessive <laughs> maybe what you're doing isn't healthy but they also don't get it um i've got i've got a, a kid i'm i'm coaching that I'm, I'm not coaching him in training for the olympics but uh, more like mindset performance coaching but he is training for the olympics and so he is constantly turning down invitations to go party and hang out and his his friends get pissed off at him and and they don't get it because he is chasing after something that's pretty pretty top tier and it requires i think it requires somebody that knows what he's doing to be able to look at it from from an objective perspective to say yes you're doing the right thing or no you need to dial it back a little bit yeah Gino, you got any thoughts? You know, I think especially for folks who are tuning in, a really great tool to, to help, right, as you're going through this process and, and kind of identifying what those vices are, seeking the right counsel, right, the, the right people that have the right intentions and, and have the right acumen and, and the right amount of wisdom to call it out, right? So, so the Jahari window, right? So the Jahari window came out back in 1955. Um group of psychologists put it together the biggest takeaway from this this thing right the heuristic exercise all that is is four quadrants right those four quadrants are designed to help you understand what it takes to grow a deeper sense of self and a deeper sense of meaning but the 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 quadrant right that hits the most is the one that's that's designed for blind spots right so so it's what i don't know about myself but you do you know that about me Right. And so this is where it really brings to light <clears throat> who is it that's calling out those blind spots. Right. And are they doing it with the right intention? It goes to, to both both of y'all's points, man. Like, like if they're coming from a place of you want to be the best version of yourself, let us help you. Or is it I'm going to call these things out and they're really not that big of a deal, but I'm going to say it anyways because I don't really like you. Right. Or I just don't know what to look for. Right. So, and man, you know, everyone's got a joker in their deck. Right. And so you got to be really careful when it comes to that and being able to call out, man, I clearly, right. Every single person, all of us have those blind spots. The question is, why haven't you recognized that blind spot? Right. So chance to your point, if it, if it's something that stems from drinking, right. Well, it became your norm, right. In the military to drink at a particular volume, then you got out and you kind of step back a little bit. I'm not at that same norm anymore, right? So that falls in alignment with the kind of person that I think that I am. And then your wife, who's got the best of intentions, looks at you and is like, dude, you're, you're, you're drinking a lot, right? That it's, we probably need to pump the brake a little bit more. Well, that is someone that you trust and you love and you know is looking out for your best interest, right? So you palpitate that and you're like, okay, some adjustments need to be made. More importantly, you are open to making the adjustments, right? And so that is the thing right there. Are you open to pivoting? Are you open to adapting? To, to be sure that whatever those shifts are, they're going to benefit you in the life that you want to have. Because that's what it boils down to, man. Like, what kind of man, what kind of woman do you want to be? Like, like what, what's, what's your ripple effect, right? When you are in a room and you have to look at yourself and you look at others and you're in a position of influence, what is the quality and depth of that influence? Because, man, if you're not bringing it, right, and you have these things that are habitual in nature that, that we call vices, right, that sometimes have that negative connotation that come along with them, but you don't even recognize it. Oh man, that puts you in a tight spot in the corner, right? But if you recognize it and you're like, yeah, I do, but I'm working on it, man, hat tip, right? Because not everyone can say that. If you're putting the work in, kudos. 100%. I love that. 
Sean, you got, uh, you look like you got a point. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> I do because, uh, what we've been talking about is experience. So right at the get-go, uh, Doc had mentioned that, uh, I, worse the effect of he's got so many vices, the, we don't have time in the podcast for him to list them all out. I'm just kidding. That's not what he said, but <laughs> he, he did claim that he's got vices and, uh, Chris has just come across uh, stating that in order to uh, help someone who uh, is is seeking the highest levels of performance, uh, it's handy if that individual is working with a person who has sought the highest levels of performance. And let's not let's be really clear: in order to achieve great things, you have to suffer. In order to achieve great things, you've got to fail. And for anyone who engages with the doc or with Chris as a cold eye review coach, well, you can take satisfaction in the fact that they've been there and done that. Self-claimed vices, self-claimed struggle, self-claimed everything. What I do not care for is if someone is uh, seeking help for vices, they're seeking it from a dusty, impersonal book that doesn't represent uh, a body of knowledge that is based in hard sought suffering. So, uh, with a coach who I know has sweat blooded and teared up, that's who I'm interested in helping me. What I am not interested in is someone who has never tasted their own sweat, blood or tears because they don't bring the understanding. They bring the academic, but they don't bring the understanding of what they're about to help me with. You've got to have you've got to have had enough vices and solved enough vices to talk to me about how to help my vices. I hope that makes sense. Hundred percent, it makes sense. Now, I have some comments along the side here. Any other thoughts before we jump into this? Jump into these. Everybody's good. Okay. So, um, Paul jumps in here earlier. He said, I explored way too many vices. Happy to have left them all behind, but for the healthy ones. Thanks to Sean for his influence and advice in helping drop my final one alcohol. I guess vice equals obsession. I'm guilty of that as well in cycling and certainly overdo it at times. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, Eric Lister jumps in here. He says, To Gino's question, vices violate the moral code by definition. I don't think a positive thing is a vice until it becomes negative. Discerning that line, however, can sometimes be very difficult. Our conscience is ready to tell us the truth about our vices if we are willing to listen to it. And I, I just, I love that point, if we are willing to listen to it. Um, it you guys brought up a, a point earlier. I can't remember who said it, but um, the concept of uh, the, the beach and, you know, taking it easy and relaxing and having a great time and doing all that good stuff. It clicked something in the back of my mind hearing about someone talk about you do you want your life to be beaches and margaritas right do you is that what your whole life is going to be about do you want to be able to like retire the concept of retiring into obscurity on a beach drinking drinking all the drinks and doing all the things on the beach it's like that picturesque concept of the retirement but i know many people that don't like the beach like sean <laughs> It's <laughs> just dirt. I mean, uh, who I also... wants to go? Who wants to travel around the world, spend a boatload of money to lay in dirt? I've laid in dirt <laughs> for free, and I realize that I don't want to pay money to lay in dirt, no matter how warm it is. Just the beach can hang out by itself, as far as I'm concerned. So my thought is, is that that has become a almost a synonymous concept of retirement right of okay i've done my i've worked my life into a point where now i can go and relax and i can find this vice or this place that is almost full of all the vices that you avoided while working in order to gain the vice now like so it, it i'm wondering what your guys thoughts are on the fact that almost societally we're kind of drawn towards that or it's been kind of that path has been placed in front of us and it takes an active critical thought to go you know i don't really i don't really want to do that <laughs> if you know if you know where i'm coming from gino what are your thoughts man the thought of retirement just freaks me out um 
just like retirement like that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. teach, doing what? Like, what are you, what are you doing with your time, man? Cause like we have this incredible thing that's called a body that we get to push and play and experiment with, right? Like, damn, man, I don't want to go to home plate. Like, you know, with a Mai Tai in my hand, I want to go bloody and sweaty and just hobbling in, right? Being able to say, I play, I play the freaking game, man. You know, I played hard. Um, but, you know, going back to your thesis, though, Chance, I mean, I think <laughs> and with, oh, I'm going to say a generic statement here. So there, there will be exceptions to this, guys, but I'm just going to put it out there, right? Most first world nations have gotten to a place, right, where comfort and not pushing yourself to take risks, right? Not pushing yourself <clears throat> to a line where you're, you're teetering on the edge of really testing out what it is that this thing can do, this whole thing can do, that has become a norm, right? Comfort has become the norm, right? And the problem with too much comfort is you don't grow, you get stale, right? Things get rusty, things, I mean, from cognitive of processes to your joints to your muscles everything right and so it's literally a waste and the thing about it is that most people who experience life on that wavelength of you know sitting on a beach all day getting drunk and doing whatever right over time right those dopamine receptors are like so are we gonna actually have like a real opportunity to experience reward or are you just gonna keep artificially inducing it right because this is not when we go back to like ancient caveman days Man, our stress response system, our reward system, it's because we've been hunting for 10 days and now we finally killed that saber-toothed tiger. Let's get after it and enjoy a good meal, right? It's not, well, let me just artificially induce it with this nice sunset and this incredible pina colada, right? That's flooding my body with all kinds of junk because over time it's not sustainable, right? So, man, <laughs> to your point, Chance, like that mentality is a death sentence, right? In my opinion. Right, it is a death sentence. If you really want to live, if you really want to experience what it is that that habitual things and things that can become addictive, but just based off of your experience as a human being, you got to push the envelope. You can't seek to want to live on a beach twenty four seven. But it goes back to this man, all in moderation and balance. Like, yeah, man, you want a couple of days with a family at the beach, knock yourself out, right? But if for for you crossing the line is to, to be sitting on that beach, drinking all day, eating wings and turn into a 350, 75 pound, whatever person like, okay, but I will tell you, you're missing out on, on incredible fabric of quality of life, right? That, that you should be ascertaining because look, human beings, we were built to fight, right? We, we were, we were made to fight, fight, fight or freeze is there for a reason. And I'm not saying fight amongst one another. I'm saying fight within ourselves that that battle of discipline, it's there for a reason, but if you don't knock on its door, you're never going to know. 100%. Chris, you got some thoughts? Uh, I love the beach. Uh, I think it's, <laughs> it's my happy place. <laughs> but uh, I I absolutely hate the idea of retiring. I, I tell people often, I never want to retire. I always want to be producing or chasing some adventure. And when mm -hmm. I get to the point, if my body no longer functions the way I want it to, I still have my mind. And that can still produce value too. And I can still pursue adventures in that regard. I think, yeah, the the idea of retiring on a beach, even though I love the beach, it that grosses me out because I don't want to retire. I think I think people long after the the retirement scenario where you're sipping pina coladas because they don't know how to intentionally um, put rest within their their yearly mm -hmm. schedule. Uh, it's for lack of a better analogy, it's kind of like working out. Rest days are important. And, and if you schedule them appropriately, they can be a very beneficial part of your training program if scheduled appropriately. You know, if you just if you just go until you collapse, that's how I view retirement. You just, you've not intentionally provided rejuvenation within your schedule. And so now you, you just want to pass out on the beach. Whereas if you plan your life out appropriately, and intentionally inject rest and rejuvenation throughout your working career, retirement doesn't, the stereotypical retirement doesn't seem so appealing because there's so much more life and adventure out there to experience. That's a great point. Sean, what are you thinking? I'm going to try to play with the uh, poor effort that I made in respect to dopamine uh, just a few minutes ago.
And I'll again use dopamine as a three-dimensional model to explain how I run my life to some degree in respect to vices. So I, for me, as I've already stated, if, if I've been riding a bike a long time in order to uh, over many decades, if I want to get some dopamine release during my bike ride, well, first things first, I've, I've got to be out there intentional. Like I've got to be paying attention to what I'm doing. I can't just like zone out and, and ride for a couple of hours and then get back home and not realize what I just did. Like I've got to be in the now. And so while I'm in the present, uh, observing myself or being intentional in my now riding. It doesn't mean that every single second or every single minute I'm getting dopamine hits or dopamine releases because I've just been freaking riding so long. It takes something above the norm or above my baseline observations for me to go, ooh, that was nice. And that, ooh, that was nice only happens maybe once or twice in a ride. And that that little ooh moment might just be a little, oh, that nice little, I was so in the zone. I My flow was so perfect that the entire universe kind of collaborated in that moment to tell me that that was beautiful. That was amazing. That was perfect. That felt so right. If I get one of those in a ride, then I got my dopamine. And so I'm going to use that as the example to then move over to coffee. So when I first started drinking coffee or started making coffee, I didn't know how to do it. I was pretty crappy at coffee. I've been roasting for over 15 years now, and I've, I, I owned a coffee shop, and I've paid a lot of attention to coffee. I'm quite particular about my coffee. And so coffee is riding. Riding is life. Life is BJJ. BJJ is laying on the beach. All of these things are similar as long as you take the same approach to them. And here's my approach. I will take coffee or whatever it is that I'm involved in, and I will look to expand my horizons on it. So I've got my body of understanding, my body of work, my knowledge of a certain subject. And that day, I'm going to enhance it. Because for me to feel like I'm in the game... I need to push my game. I need to experience new boundaries so that my life is fuller, for lack of a better term. And by chasing fuller in everything that I do, it brings me that little out of the trough. So if my dopamine drops below baseline a touch, I push my envelope in my coffee pursuit in that moment as I'm doing my pour over as I'm really engaging to maximum effort, which is better than yesterday, by the way. Every time I engage at a maximum velocity in any thoughtful present moment where I'm expanding my understanding in the now, well, that is dopamine for me. And it doesn't mean that I'm running around the world with a constant smile on my, set, on, on my face, uh, you know, clicking my heels together. Uh, what I am doing is through my own um, definition of how to explore dopamine or how to run a good life, I pursue more in the moment, whatever that more means. Now, is that a vice? Well, it's only a vice if I have lost perspective of how to run a good life. And so what is a good life? Am I offending anyone by really studying how to do my coffee pour over in the now? No one's being offended. The coffee will take as long as it takes because you're going to get a freaking good coffee, pal. So just chillax. So it's for me to um, control my life in a way that is providing a positive outcome rather than a negative outcome. So a vice can kind of dance on the edge of a razor if you're not paying attention. And so that's what I'm suggesting right now is for me, when I observe my vices, I'm sometimes on the tipping edge of this is negative or this is a positive. So I keep it positive by understanding what I'm doing in the now. And I hope that makes sense. I, I really like that perspective. I, uh, I, I had a similar thought this morning, actually, and not to the degree you're talking about, but um, my wife and I were out this morning driving around the neighborhood because it's the semi-annual uh, 
large item pickup from the gar- from the dump, right? So there's stuff all over the place in the neighborhood, and we're looking around, going, "Ooh, that's a nice sink. Ooh, that's a nice." So we were kind of like window shopping as we were driving around. Uh, but there was a moment there where I was, I actively found myself just kind of wandering. I was just driving along. I was like, nah, 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 "This is," and I was thinking like, "Oh, well, then I got to get home, and I got to set up the collective, and I got to do all these things." And I realized that I was allowing myself to just to not be there in that moment. And I looked up from the steering wheel and I saw this beautiful moment of just driving down a straight pathway with all of the trees lined up over top of the road and they're all different colors and yellows and reds and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there with my wife by myself or in the truck with her. And it was a beautiful moment that had I not been aware of the fact that I wasn't paying attention, I would never have been able to bring my attention to those moments. And uh, so I just wanted to hit that point because it was it was beautiful. Now, uh, I know you got to run, Chris, so I'm going to give you a chance to respond to <laughs> anything that Sean said or give us any some final thoughts before you got to take off. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, uh, Sean, I wouldn't. <laughs> you probably did offend somebody by the way you brew coffee. <laughs> it's kind of people are very quick to be offended these days. For sure, I uh, did. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's always a pleasure coming on the show. Uh, I appreciate um, the opportunity to talk. And I, I think I think it, this whole topic comes down to be intentional about how one self-reflects uh, and, and actually engaging in self-reflection. And I think many people just react to life and don't have any uh, perception of what, what is actually going on inside their own mind. Uh, it's, it's very reactive in nature. And I think um, getting a good handle on not only vices but virtues too is it requires a, a practice of regular self-reflection and, and then asking those hard questions, am I living in alignment with the kind of person I want to be? If not, why? <laughs> and if so, how? Uh, and, I, and I think um, that will help people solve a lot of the the vice issues is just some some genuine self-reflection and then probably some external counsel from people that know what they're talking about too so that's all i got absolutely well we really appreciate your your thoughts all the time i know you got lots of them so you're welcome back anytime and i'm gonna hit you up very soon about uh, coaches week coming up in a week and a half so we'll yeah that'd be great time for you to be on that one cool um but we'll talk later you have a good one sounds good see ya Good job, yeah. uh, Gino. What are your thoughts on anything that Sean was going over? Were you offended by his coffee? <laughs> I'm so offended, dude. <laughs> no, I've never had any of it, but I'm offended. <laughs> uh, it seems to be the narrative, unfortunately, nowadays. People get offended with things that are experienced. But, anyways, neither here nor there. Um, no, you know, I, I think one thing that's really important, right, is, is acknowledgement, right? It, it's being able to have the internal governor to understand, right, that that if something is not serving your well-being, if something is not serving your mission, your constitution, your your purpose, just recognize it, man. Like like understand, like yeah, I enjoy how it makes me feel and the temporary moment that I'm doing it, but if it's not serving a greater purpose that helps propel me forward as a human being, whether it's downtime or anything else then it needs to be addressed. It doesn't mean every waking thing is horrible for you, right? I mean, anything habitual in nature, you know, to Chris's point, I mean, you know, the, the virtues are just as important as the vices. And so it, that is where the judgment call comes into play, right? What is this serving? And at the end of the day too, <laughs> you know, you're, you're gonna get that feedback from folks that are not, that's not always gonna be um, optimistic or constructive or positive and, and that's okay, right? You, you gotta be okay with that side of it as well. But the few that you do take counsel from, the few that you do take advice from, or you trust, right? That's really the key word. Those that you trust, right? And, and, and with, with trust that is embedded with purity, knowing that at the end of the day, there is nothing nefarious with this. It's truly, I know you're looking out for me and I'm looking out for you. That right there, that's the stuff of gold, right? And, and you hold on to that and you really, really apply it to the best of your abilities. And sometimes, and it's true, sometimes your best ain't good enough. So you need to go seek a way to make it better, right? And and a lot of times having that same counsel is what can help that. But like we said before, 
you just you got to be open to it but acknowledge it first like i think it's always great things like this like do an inventory man like what are the things that you do that are habitual in nature like sean i thought it was great man when you're talking about how many ounces of whiskey right that you have in any given 12-month period right i think most people probably don't keep track that way right but i think it's very significant the fact that you do right and so but whether it's it's whiskey or whether it's jujitsu or you know whether it's like another one of mine right is writing right sometimes i get lost writing and hours will go by and my wife's like so are we taking the kids or what are we doing dude (laughs) right so like oh my gosh like i need to go into dad mode right now like step away and and don't right so that absolutely can become a vice incredibly constructive and, and productive for me but it violates the code that i have as a person that my family deserves that time right i need i need to do it's my responsibility so but you have to just it goes back to recognition do, do you acknowledge it and what are you going to do about it i like that sean what do you got so it, it did raise an interesting thought in my head that i'd been chewing on for about a half an hour and i wasn't sure if i was going to bring it up but i'm definitely bringing it up now so uh the vices i was I've been thinking about how to explain the difference between a single vice and a group vice. So as an example, like my vice is podcasting right now because I I could be using my time in a more balanced uh, manner. I could be et cetera, et cetera. But my vice is not for Sean. My vice is for the collective. And so my vice is being kind of created on behalf of a larger group that I feel somehow not responsible for, but responsible to. And so my the the use of my time and in, in respect to trying to figure out how to do this better and blah, blah, blah. All of the man hours, the writing doc, as you state, I, I've I've done some writing myself on behalf of the collective that the collective has never seen, just strategies and thoughts and how to do this better as it were. So part it's it's not that it's I suppose unhealthy, but it it sometimes it borders on unhealthy because mm-hmm. I give it too much of my personal time. Mm-hmm. And so if we're viewing vices through the lens of personal time, but we're doing it on behalf of a collective time, I think that it's a less clear definition of now it's a vice. It's easy to view it through my own lens of just Sean versus Sean's time, but Sean versus collective time. Well, that kind of muddies things up a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? It's, I think it's an incredibly gray area um, because as you're talking, right. And, and about the collective and the purpose and intent of why you're doing that, right. Is something bigger than just you, right. Then I think of, okay, so if we were to just switch the variable, right. So instead of it being writing and though it hasn't been applied to the collective, you're doing it with that intention if it happens to be that I have three friends that go to a bar every single day, right? And in the habitual nature of it is we're gonna drink. We're gonna drink for two hours, right? But I know as a good friend, I want to be loyal to them and I want them to feel like I'm a part of what they're doing and be supportive of it, though I know it is something that needs to be put into check, but I'm doing it anyways because I'm not doing it for Gino. I'm doing it for my buds, right? Does that, at what point is this like, cause that's clear as they like, don't do that. <laughs> like that's not good, right? That's not healthy, right? But the argument can be made both ways, right? And so I think it's much more clear cut when we're talking about things that are well known, right? Again, going back to smoking, drinking, those sorts of things versus things that could have a, a connotation of being constructive, right? And saying, no, 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 but I'm doing this for this, right? But so many people who engage on the, on the habitual side of things that are detrimental to themselves and to others will mask it with the same type of, of rationale, right? And that is how they justify doing it, right? And so that is where it is. It's a sticky, <laughs> it's a sticky area, man, because there's a lot of variables. That's where truly it boils down to as a person, you look at yourself in the mirror and, and what what is your code? And are you staying true to your code? And is everything in your code truly working to your benefit? Or are there things in there just because you don't know any better, they're working against you. And that's where I think the importance of having someone older and wiser and more experienced or a few people uh, in your corner being able to point those things out, thats that matters in a big way. Hmm. It, I think the, uh, the biggest trick for me actually going through this was that I had, there were many times in my life where there were people who wanted my best interests, um, who were looking, trying to look out for me, but I was not ready to listen to them <laughs> or I was not going to listen to them because I was going to figure it out myself. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering, I got, I got some comments here too, but I want to ask you guys this question. 
how, how do we get ourselves? Like if you were to go back in time and try to talk to yourself, and tr how would you engage yourself in this to f get yourself to seek betterment earlier? If you know where I'm coming from, right? And so this is the challenge, right? Is that in my mind, I look back on these times where I had mentors and people who were uh, trying to do right by me that I just was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Screw you. It's my life. You don't know. They did 100%. <laughs> How do you get yourself to do that back then? Do you know? Oh, and Gino disappeared. <laughs> That's how you do it. Disappear. Sean, just let me cover that gap for him while uh, yeah. that's sorted out. So funnily <laughs> enough, this morning, um, before I went into my live IG chat, someone, someone who follows me had shot me a little video, like as they were running, they had their phone, they had their earbuds in there running wherever it looked like it was nice, uh, nice weather. So I would, I would guess left coast. Uh, so as they were running, they were asking me a question. Hey, Sean, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. If you could go back to when you were 21 years old, what advice would you give yourself? Thanks. So I gave him some advice and you know what my advice was? I'll let you guess. Any ideas? Go harder. That's almost exactly what I said. I, I said, work harder. That's what I would tell myself at 21 years of age. Freaking work harder, Sean. And so my answer was work harder. And then I hit a space, one line down. And then I said, why? Question mark. My answer to that why was because we freaking all can. We all can work harder. So that would be my advice for young Sean. And same with vices. You, you got a vice. It's difficult. We'll freaking work harder because we all can. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Speaking of working harder, I'm going to try and get uh I'm going to try and get Gino back on here. Um he's for some reason streamer kicked him out, but we'll uh I'll work with him in a second. The the last thing I wanted to ask you, I was going to ask Gene Gino on this as well is oh, short you were, you guys were talking about this earlier about short-term vices uh and being able to utilize the short term for the long term in that you can break down whatever vice it is in that short-term moment and go, is this going to serve me later on and so on and so forth. But what about those short-term vices that turn into addictions, right? Where you aren't aware of it soon enough. You aren't catching it early enough to the point that now you're addicted to it. One of the things that it kicked in my mind was uh, cigarettes. Like I used to smoke for many years and it wasn't until I was like a smoker before I realized, oh man, I really shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I think it was it was a delayed reaction to it. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on how to how to gain that awareness again earlier. What well, you, you know, I think that that is best answered by listening to those around you, because mm -hmm. obviously you're not listening to yourself when the pattern is already formed and and you're now an addicted smoker. If you couldn't see it happening, others certainly could. Uh, whether it was watching you sneak around the corner of the house for a secret cigarette or whatever, um, you know, others were seeing it and it's that opportunity that they should have said something to you. But more often than not, people don't want to say something because they don't want to offend the person because whatever. Well, it's whether you offend them or not is neither here nor there. It's your job to serve them in the right way. And, and the right service at that point is to say, Hey, man, you know those uh, coffin nails that you're smoking? That ain't good for you. What do you mean? You just call them coffin nails? Yeah, I did, because you're literally killing yourself every time you suck one back. Would you like me to give it a, a nicer name that is more palatable to you so that your vice isn't offending you? Well, if I got to offend someone to get them to stop their stupid vice that's killing them, well, I will. I'll be offensive if I have to. So I would suggest that if you can't see it yourself, start listening to people around you. Hundred percent. The uh, it was, uh, funny was that offensive, by the way? I I don't think so. I've heard I I don't think so either. But I, I maybe it'll offend someone. I don't know. Well, this is the benefit: is that you know, are you willing to offend someone to save their life? I know I, I would. Hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. All day long. I uh, the thing that made me realize that actually was the money. I, I, somebody asked me how much I spent on cigarettes at the time. And I was like, I don't know. So I did the math and I was like somewhere around like $5,000 a year. 
on mm. killing myself slowly. And I was yeah, like, funny, <laughs> funny. You wouldn't save your own life, but you would want to save your own money. Hey, right. It's it's interesting how that kicks in. But that was my young mind was like, I'm not spending my money on this. And again, it's just being being able to realize yourself in that moment. Now there we're almost out of time. I think Gino is gone. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. um, uh, we have a couple of comments here, and then we can get yeah, into some final thoughts. So we got uh, Max Sydney. Jumps in, he says, I joined late, but have you guys mentioned how to get the hedonic baseline back to its original level? I think we covered that a little bit, didn't we? To some degree, through science, dopamine, et cetera, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, And then he says, in a recent conversation with a recruiter, she asked if I gave into vices. I realized I do as a reward. Made me realize I'm basically treating myself like my dog, giving a sweet (laughs) if she obeys. (laughs) That's a nice one. Um, He carries on, but why... Why is thinking of the collective a vice for you, Sean? Just due to the time commitment? In which case, do you do you see sleep as a vice? If it helps you think, be better, then is it really a vice? That's a good question. What do you think? It's a good question. Uh, I just, it's to answer Max specifically, uh, the collective isn't a vice per se. To some degree, it's a loose vice. But I know myself, Max. I I know myself better than anyone because I've been watching myself for a long time. And I know my slippery slope of moving towards a vice. And in this case, one of my vices is trying to help people. So sometimes I try to help too much. And uh, that has uh, come back to sting me. Because if if, if I pour myself into someone and they... um, they just keep take, take, taking, and I keep give, give, giving. It it's it can be hard. It can be frustrating. It can be bordering on burnout uh, when trying to help someone to the degree where it is it's frazzling you at the edges. So my vice is I sometimes I give too much. Uh, I'm a giver, not a taker. <laughs> so uh, that would be the vice that I'm uh, talking about is knowing my personality or my characteristics uh, when it comes to these kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. It is it is tough when you start helping people that uh, p- others will take advantage of that help and mm-hmm. they will just continue to come back for it over and over and over again. And then Standard issue I, energy vampire. Yeah, I have uh, answered a lot of phone calls at like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning from people who want help but aren't willing to do any work to actually change anything mm-hmm. so yeah i i know that feeling all too well um eric lister jumps in here he says i think you undoubtedly have to eventually submit yourself to a spiritual framework other people can only serve as a metric for so long because we're all flawed and dealing with the same issues i don't know if i would agree with that what do you think sean uh i don't know i'd, I'd love to have eric on and talk to him about that because it's quite a big uh, statement mm-hmm. and it's got quite a lot of meat and potatoes to it so you know, I'd I'd talk about that for about a half an hour easily. I'd say this uh, just as a first brush at it. Uh, I think to some degree, a spiritual framework can be helpful. I'm not saying that it's undoubtedly you'll have to submit yourself to it because no one has to. Mm-hmm. But if someone did submit themselves to the spiritual framework, they may benefit from it. And so I think that if someone stays open to the idea that spirituality may be helpful within your world construct, then yeah, freaking rock on. And it, in respect to myself personally, I do have a spiritual side to me for sure. Absolutely. Just not religious. That's just, not yeah. just not within the religious context. Uh, and then the last one we got here, Pan- Paul, look, Paul says, I'm offended. Sean Eastwood is abrasive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Salty there nose. You go. Yeah, salty nose. There you go. Um, so, we are a little bit over time. Sean, any final thoughts on anything we've done so far? No, uh, I think it was a good conversation. But uh, as we're rounding it out here right now, I realized that, uh, you know, we could have taken the conversation in several different directions and we could still be talking about it an hour from now. So I don't feel like uh, this one is a one and done and in the can and we'll never come back to it. So let's keep it on the books as uh, something to consider in the future. I was going to, I was thinking actually that we'll just carry on the conversation tomorrow because there is so yeah. much more depth to this that we could go into and it will be, uh, who's on tomorrow, by the way, we have Kathy Hubble. She's coming back Check. and, um, let me pull up my book real quick while we're here and we are, who's the other one? Uh, Samantha, Chris, oh, we got a new face Samantha coming Chris. in. Too. Oh, yeah. how exciting. I don't know yeah, who that is, great. but it's, 
Very Yay for Samantha. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's tomorrow. We got lots more stuff to, to get into. And I do really appreciate the conversation, both Gino and Chris. Can't wait to talk to them again during Coaches Week, which is, again, a week right. and change away. Well, Coaches Week Part 2, I guess. And uh, other than that, continue continue learning. About well, hang classes. on a sec. Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah. You... How many slots do you have left on uh, Coaches Week still to fill? I have, because I put um, up that story yesterday yeah. and said, uh, hey, if you want to push this around uh, to a coach that you know, spots to fill, etc. Right now, at present, let me just open this up here so we can talk to each other. Um, we have, uh, I got Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or correction, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday still open, but I am, they're filling up fast. So Okay, so what do you think? You've got half of the slots filled or? Uh, I would say close to... 30% full right now. Okay, 30. All right. Yeah. So there's still uh, lots of room. There basically. is quite a bit of room to get in here. Okay. So anybody that would like to send a coach my way or think that they would be a good person to have on during coaches week, shoot me a message. And All right. We'll let's, uh, let's, let's push that on uh, stories a little bit more or post or something like that, yeah. because uh, right now there's you listening to this there's me listening to this and there's two other people listening to this so <laughs> let's improve our odds by pushing it out through a story etc absolutely i will you know this is the benefit of being able to uh talk about this stuff on the fly which i really enjoy is the fact that there's four people listening and those pe four people <laughs> are gonna pass, pass this message out there to more people right everybody uh well as again i'm gonna shut this down with you know learn about yourself build upon it, grow, and hang out with us every day here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Keeping it simple. Chimo.